So it's wonderful to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. I'm going to preach around this table this morning. Okay. Because I, he was a Methodist. He was a Presbyterian. I was a Baptist. We didn't have any problems with baptism in water. Because you know John the Baptist. You know. But we had a big problem with the baptism of the Spirit. Oh my word. That was our issue. And then God baptized me in the Spirit and uh, woof. People were very concerned. One guy actually said to me, after I'd been baptized in the Spirit, he said, you're still the same guy. You know? I don't know what he thought was going to happen to me. You know, you got baptized and something weird's going to happen, bro. Something strange is going to happen. But anyway, here we are. And uh, what we used to be is irrelevant. What we are now is important. Amen. What, what you were saved out of, it's what you've been saved into. And, you know, I was asked to give my testimony to a group of young people. And I started by saying I was 24 years old and I got saved. And I could see them saying, oh, tell us. You want to know what I did? It's gone. It's covered. I've turned the page. It's what I've now become. And what Jesus has done for me, that's, that's my testimony. Not what I was. What I was is irrelevant. I was a very good guy, but I mean, I won't go there. Um, oh, I thought I was. And as somebody said, you tried your best. And I said, and look where my best got me. So I don't want to talk about what was. We talk about what is. Because God is the great God who says, I am, not I was. So let's just pray. We're going to speak around this. And I'm trusting God that this morning we're going to have opportunity to realign. Jesus left two ordinances. He said there are two things you must do, two ordinances. There's this table. He said, whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember what I did for you. And he said, you must do this often because human beings, we've got forgetteries. We, we don't have good memories. And I'm telling you, if we don't do this, it just, it slips into the background. And then, oh, when, when last did we have communion or the Eucharist or break bread or whatever you call it? And then he said, like, your pastor said, you need to get baptized. I was baptized too, but as a little guy, but I don't remember because I was a baby. And how relevant was that? I'm just asking. I was confirmed. I went to confirmation classes in the Methodist church because the girls from the boarding school also went. And it was an opportunity to get out the boarding school. And I remember kneeling in front of the church in Grahamstown, the commemoration Methodist church, and thinking, oh, is it left over right or right over left? Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. You know, left hand over your right hand or right hand. You learn those things. And then the guy put a little wafer in my hand and he said, welcome to the body of Christ. And I remember thinking, how did that happen? Then I met Jesus. Then I understood what it means to be welcomed into the body of Christ. And so the church has got rituals and ceremonies and things that it still does to this day. But this table I'm going to show you cancels everything. And what we used to hold dear and what perhaps some of you still hold on to because, like, that's the thing to do. We'll see how this, uh, this table speaks to us. So let's just pray. Father, we 
thank you that your word says you so loved the world. You so loved us that you sent your one and only son. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you said, I only do what my father tells me. And you were obedient to that call. And you came to this planet. And you were born of a virgin woman. And you lived the perfect, sinless life. And then you gave yourself for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you rescued us. Thank you that there came a day when somebody sowed a seed, another person watered it, and then, Lord God, you made it grow in us. We are so grateful. And thank you on that day, Lord, when we felt the need to make right with you, when you convicted us of our sin, you deposited the Holy Spirit in us because your word says without him, we can't be Christians. We're so grateful. Thank you, your word says you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. And it's found in your son and our savior, whose name is Jesus, the Christ. And we acknowledge that today and we honor you, Lord. Amen. So we've come to celebrate Jesus. It's a good thing, no? Sunday. It's the first day of the week. This should be the worst day, but it's the best day. People say, oh, tomorrow's Monday. Forget Monday. It's Sunday. This is the first day of the week. We gather to celebrate Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of mankind, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who was born of a virgin, who lived a sinless, perfect life, was crucified, dead, and was buried. But on the third, third day, he walked out of the grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We do not, Jesus is not on the cross. There's some traditional churches where Jesus is still on the cross. No. No. They took him off the cross and he rose again. That's our hope. If he was still dead, woe to us. What are we doing? Worshipping a dead God. No, he was resurrected. He rose again. He was resurrected to a new life. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. He conquered sin. He lives forever. He has sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, according to the writer to the Hebrews. If you are a right-hand man, his name's Jesus. He sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven. And the Bible says he intercedes for us. And some of you I know, and he needs to pray for you. <laughs> oh, you guys are slow this morning. He needs to pray for me too, but he needs to pray for you. The Bible says he intercedes for us. This Jesus who walked the planet intercedes for you, prays for you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows where you're vulnerable. He knows everything about you. He even knows the number of hairs on your head, sir. There might be few, but he knows. He can't say it. Your pastor can't say anymore. That blew my hair back, man. That was wonderful. But God knows everything. He knows it. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Paul writes to the Roman church and explains that. He said, no one takes my life from me. At the end of the time, when it was time for him to go through the crucifixion, he said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. I lay it down. And I can take it back again. 
I could have called 10,000 angels. But I'm going to lay it down. Because I want a people for myself. I want a people, the called out ones. The one who have responded to my call. He's our ad- advocate. He represents you and me in heaven, in the courts of heaven. I want an advocate like that when I'm in trouble on earth. He's never lost a case. He wins everyone. He's our advocate. Because he intercedes for us to the Father. And the Father says, what about Craig? And Jesus says, he's ours. And the Father is pleased because Craig has acknowledged the Son and the Savior whose name is Jesus. He's our high priest. You don't need a priest. You don't need a priest. You need Jesus who's the high priest. Let me tell you a little thing that I feel today is happening. When, when the Spirit of God begins to move in churches, people want a word. They want a word. Help me, Lord, I want a word. And a prophetic guy comes to town and everybody runs to the prophetic guy for a word. The modern day so-called prophet has taken the place of the Old Testament priest. Everybody wants a word. Listen, you've got a high priest. You can go to him. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Go to him. You speak to him. He'll give you a word. He'll give you a word. He came as a fulfillment of all the requirements of the Old Testament and Old Covenant law. You could put up Romans 8 for me, please. Did I give you that? I'm sure I did. Listen to this. For what the law was powerless to do, and it was weakened by the sinful nature. There was nothing wrong with the law. But it was weakened by the sinful nature of human beings. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. You do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Jesus fulfilled it all. I remember when I first got saved, the Baptists used to say time and again, it's Jesus plus nothing. And I never understood what that meant because it sounded good. So I started quoting Jesus plus nothing until somebody said, what do you mean by that? I said, I'll ask my pastor. Because I was like a parrot and I was repeating what my pastor had said. Then I found out what it meant. There were always priests on earth under the old covenant and they served in the temple and their work was never finished. I was speaking to somebody this morning about the ministry. You know, at the end of the week when you finish your week's work and you pack up and you say to yourself, sure, I'm up to date. We are never up to date. Because Friday we think, ah, wonderful, it's the weekend. And then half past six something happens. Pastor, do you think you can? Sure, no, of course, no, no problem, no problem. The priests never finished the work. I must check the time, 10 past. I speak for far too long and I never remember to look at my watch. And then when it's the guys are doing that and I think, oh, I've gone too far. So I'm going to be quick, I'm going to be quick. Okay, so they never sat down. Always they were working. They, they were working. We know the story of the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies and once a year he went into that. Only one person once a year. Jesus was never a priest 
on earth. Jesus never went into the Holy of Holies in the temple. He wasn't a priest. Hebrews chapter 7, and I've asked for the New Living Translation because it says it beautifully. The old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and now a better hope has taken its place, and that is how we draw near to God. God took an oath that Christ would always be a priest, but he never did this for any other priest. Only to Jesus did he say, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. You'll just stop me. Every priest on the planet died. So they had to keep re-electing priests to do the work. You remember the story of Zechariah and John the Baptist? And Zechariah was the priest on duty on that time when the, when the angel visited him. The poor guy got such a fright and he didn't believe what the angel said. You know the story. Nod. I mean, you, are you breathing? You with me? You with, you're allowed to nod. The church is okay. Nobody's going to say, oh, they nodded in church. No, no. That's, they, and he understood. He was, he was on duty. He was so excited. There were thousands of priests and this was his moment. And then the angel visited him and messed up everything. God took it only to Jesus. Because of God's oath, it is Jesus who guarantees the effectiveness of this better covenant. It's Jesus. Another difference is that there were many priests under the old system. When one priest died, another had to take his place. But Jesus remains a priest forever. His priesthood will never end. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save everyone who comes to God through him because he lives forever to plead with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has now been set apart from sin, has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. He did not need to offer sacrifices every day like the other high priests. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he sacrificed himself on the cross. Those who were high priests under the law of Moses were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath. And his son has been made perfect forever. You're allowed to say amen. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. The former regulation, the former thing, was the priesthood, the priests, the covenants, the altars, the sacrifices, the ceremonies, everything that involved itself and was connected to the Old Covenant or the Old Testament system of the law was done away with because the law made nothing perfect. All the law does is tell you you're a sinner. If you live by the law, you will forever feel you're under the condemnation of sin. But if you live under the covenant of grace, you will begin to realize your sin has been atoned for. You can say amen. It's a marvelous, marvelous story. It's such good news. It says this, everything to do with the Old Testament system of the law was eliminated. It was useless powerless and without any authority. And this is what it says in Hebrews 8.13 about it. It says this, By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what was obsolete and fading 
soon disappear. And churches hold on to the thing that's obsolete. And some Christians hold on to things that are obsolete. And it holds them back from fulfilling the purpose that Jesus came to do on the planet. Because we people, we people of ritual, we people of, we, we've got little rituals. I, I live on my own. And I've been living on my own for four and a half years. And um, my daughter in Durban phoned me and said, Dad, um, our third child, he's 19, is a little guy, lovely guy. He's just got a job in Cape Town. Do you think he can come and, like, you know, be, be with you for a bit? So I said, well, define a bit. She said, well, there's, I can't. Now, when you're my age, because I'm a lot older than Richard, and a 19-year-old enters the fray, and when he comes out his bedroom and I come out mine, we meet. That's how small my place is. Suddenly, things are different. And I thought things were obsolete and it had been taken care of. And suddenly, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a neatness, cleanliness fanatic. You know, wipe the sink and clean up and do my thing. And this oak washes cups and water flies everywhere. Cups and spoons. Are, whoa, 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 whoa. We've got to get some order here. We get some order here. The guy, he, he showers in the morning. He's got to walk through my bedroom to go to the shower, so that disrupts me. He's through there as a shower. Thanks, Papa. He's off the room. Okay, I'm off to work. He's gone. Comes back from work. Says, I just need to have a shower. Another, another shower. Another shower. Then he goes out in the evening, comes back, says, I must just have another shower. I think. Use, he uses toilet paper to blow his nose. He rolls it off. <laughs> I think, get yourself a handkerchief, you Wally. <laughs> Suddenly, my whole life's disrupted. I mean, I went through toilet. I said, what do you do? He said, no, you use it to blow my nose. I said, that's what it's for, bro. This is super soft, lovely toilet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> I get into rituals. And I like my little systems because I've got this red chair. And it's got a thingy in front with my feet and sit in the red chair in the early morning with our coffee and my little devotion and I speak to Jesus. And then suddenly there's some oak in and out, up and down, and this is disrupting my life. What do you like to eat, my boy? Viennas. So he buys Viennas. I look, I said, what are these? They're Viennas. You know when they that anemic, funny-looking color I said, look, these are not good for you. I'll buy you Viennas. And eat, the guy's got hollow legs. I mean, he just, he just shoves it in. He comes home at top of three, four o'clock, four hot dogs. He says, what time supper? I think, are you joking? So suddenly my life's disrupted. And that's what Jesus did. No, I'm telling you, that's what Jesus did to the religious of the day. Came and said, well, it's, it's, it's finished. I said, it can't be finished. We can't possibly how are we going to do it? Our whole system has been messed up. And Jesus called that law. And everything that was into it, it's obsolete. But we like to hold on. Well, I've got this posture to pray. I want camel knees like James had. So I kneel. Listen, at my age when you kneel, you stay down there a long time. And while you're down there, you think, well, what else can I do while I'm down here? 
I spoke to this young girl the other day, and she said, can we sit at the pool? I said, yeah, sure. So I looked, there's no chair, and there's a little wall. It's this high. So she sits down. Whoops, I don't know. Oh, well, sit down. And then when I got there, I thought, I've got a problem. How am I going to get up off a little wall like that? And we sat and we chatted, and my knees got sore, and my bum got sore, and she just yacked away, and said, thank you so much. And said, okay, we go. And she jumped up, and I got up. But it's, it's, it's rituals. And Jesus, I'm trying to explain to you, did away with everything. Everything. Everything was declared obsolete. Everything. Jesus has the, become the guarantee of a new covenant. And the new covenant is this. Under the old covenant, I'm watching the time. I'm being very good, Richard. I'm being very good. You had to bring an animal to sacrifice at the, at the, at the, at the temple. So, you know, a lamb for a house. So you bring, when I was a kid, my dad, my dad was a farmer. And um, he had this farm down in the Bushman's River Valley near Alexandria, a place where I was born, not in Egypt, here in the Eastern Cape. And um, he ran goats. And the goat, one of the little goats became a Hanslamerki, you know, his mother didn't want it. And so I kind of tended this thing and it became like my dog. And then I went to boarding school one day and the goat was gone. And I said, what happened to the goat, Dad? He said, well, we sold it. You sold, you sold my goat? Now you can imagine, you know, you're training up your sacrificial lamb and is the special one. You take him along. So the family stood with their sacrifice. And Jaime and Jamie and all the other little Jewish boys stood there with the high priest or the priest and they said, I hope they don't ask Dad about his income tax. I hope they don't ask Dad about the car that he sold to that uncle that we knew was, we hope, we hope. But the priest never examined the family. He examined the lamb. And if the lamb was acceptable, the lamb became the sacrifice to pay for those people, that family's sin. That's why John the Baptist said, when he saw Jesus, he said, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when Jesus was crucified on the cross and he had to pay for the sins of humankind, the heavenly God looked at the sacrifice and it was acceptable to him. And Jesus became our lamb, our sacrificial lamb. Now it only counts for you when you acknowledge that. You can know it, but if you don't own it, you're none of his. You've got to own that, that, that man Jesus, that God man, he stood in my place. He was examined on my behalf. He was found perfect. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. He did it for me. And we still want to hold on to old religious rituals? Are we? Can you be so dumb and still breathe? Jesus is the new covenant. That's what we celebrate. There's no other faith in the world that celebrates the death and the resurrection of their God or their Savior, whoever he is. Go to Confucius's grave, there's confusion written there. And his bones are still there. 
You go to wherever you like. This Jesus fulfilled it all for us. It says this in Romans chapter 8, 1 to 6. Also from the New Living Translation. Anybody got a problem with that? Okay. Here is the main point. Our high priest sat down in the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. There he ministers in the sacred tent, the true place of worship. Listen, that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there are already priests who offer the gifts required by the law of Moses. They serve in a place of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the design I've shown you here on the mountain. But our high priest has been given a ministry that is far superior to the ministry of those who serve under the old laws. For he is the one who guarantees for us a better covenant with God based on better promises. This Jesus, who we, we love, I, I don't know how to express it. Imagine the love God has for humankind. Just try and imagine that. He cried on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anguish. And they put him in the grave and death couldn't keep him. You see, it says, Moses built a tabernacle according to the pattern God had given him. So they built it. If you read, you go and read in Old Testament Leviticus. Oh my word, the detail. Those poor oaks, putting it all together. It was, it was, it was unbelievable, the detail. But man made it. And the priests served in that man-made altar thing. What's it called? Tabernacle. Jesus died. When the Spirit of God fell on Pentecost, this is aside, this is for free. The Holy Spirit bypassed the temple where they were all waiting. All the Jews, well, this can happen. Well, what's, zip, you went to where? To the upper room. So, in essence, he was saying all the rituals, all the ceremonies, all the sacrifices, it's done. I'm meeting you at your space. And we know the curtain was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't a little curtain like this. I don't know how thick it was. But it took a couple of guys to kind of move it. It wasn't this little Mickey Mouse, not even biggest curtain. This was serious. And there's a story that says the priests tried to sew it up. I don't know if that's true. Because they could see now into the Holy of Holies had become visible. This Jesus made this God that we serve real. He opened, the Bible says, a new and living way for us. Before, nobody could go in there. One guy once said, is it true, you the theologian, I'm just a preacher, that they used to tie a rope on the high priest and he had bells on his robe and if the bells stopped ringing, because nobody could go in. If he kicked the bucket in there, that was... You couldn't go in to get him out, so you'd pull him out by the rope. 
Another high priest, please. No, no, I'm going to give it a miss this time. <laughs> Look what happens to you when you go in there. But that was the, the holy of holies in the tabernacle built by human hands. And the priest, the high priest that is us, he serves in the tabernacle made by God in the heavens. How much better is that? Jesus' ministry is superior. You see, it's, it's the substance, it's the shadow and the real thing. The story with Abraham and Isaac is a foretelling. It's like a prophetic picture of what was going to happen. It wasn't the real thing. Take your son Isaac and go and sacrifice him. Yes, Lord. Whew, think of Abraham. I mean, the poor guy at 99, you know, this is, now you tell me to go and sacrifice him. It was a picture. It was a prophetic picture. It wasn't the real thing. It was just a picture. It was like a shadow of what was going to happen, what was coming. We've assumed in the church that Isaac was a little boy. He was a teenager because he carried, this, carried the wood. He could have said to his dad, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, yeah. What's happening here? It was all part of the plan of God. But it was just a picture. It wasn't the real thing. I carry a photograph of my late wife. I can kiss the photo. It's her. It's her. I know it's her. I've lived with her for a long time. I can kiss her, the photo, but it's unresponsive because it's only a picture. It's only a substance. It's only a shadow of the real thing. And all the rituals, oh, it's just a shadow. It's not the real thing. It's not the real thing. Jesus took it away. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Prophet Malachi said, God says, I, the Lord, do not change. God is consistent. I'm getting there. He's true to his word. He has integrity. He's always the same. So this God that we serve has a problem. Because he's a just God. The Bible says, he, he's of purer eyes than to look on sin. got a problem. God's got to deal with me. My sin, my sin is my death sentence. It's my debt. My debt is my death sentence. I can't pay it. But God is a unique combination of justice and mercy. And justice and mercy have to be applied. But how can they, how can justice and mercy meet together? The only place they can meet is at the cross. The only place God can reconcile justice and mercy. And let me just lay this aside. If God is a just God, and he is, and we don't also understand that God is a merciful God, if we just think he's a just God, our view and opinion of God will be that he's a father, he's a God who, who sorts you out. When we were little guys at the boarding school, our one teacher used to say, God's watching you. You know, and then when you go and have a quiet smoke, you look, you think, I wonder where he is now. God, God's watching you. And you get the, get the, the, the feeling that this, this God is, he's going to get me. Watching. But you get over that too. God doesn't watch you. God watches over you. He's just. So if I have a view of God, that's just justice. My view of God is lopsided. Then this, he's this, this kind of mean-spirited God who wants to get me. 
but God's also God of mercy. And if I've just, my view of God is just this merciful, loving, and it becomes soppy. I hate soppy love. Oh, oh, ah. just, Jesus is often depicted like that. It's, he's not like that. Jesus was a man, and he was a carpenter. He was a strong man. Demonstrated what love is. If we just have that view, if we just have that view, we sin. Because God's a God of love. He's merciful. He's gracious. He'll forgive you. And he will. But you'll get to that place where you suddenly find your relationship with him is not what it should be. So justice and mercy are two issues. Issues. God doesn't have issues. But justice and mercy must somehow be reconciled. And they get reconciled at the cross. God's justice means he must punish sin. He has to. Otherwise, he's not God. As a dad, my kids got out of hand. Punish. Sorry, young parents today. The Bible says, discipline. Discipline. I was sitting, I brag now. I've got a timeshare at the Beacon Isle. And I was there one day having breakfast on the terrace, watching the waves and the sunshine and the little flickering things on the waves and these dolphins went past. And there was a dad sitting behind me with his son. And his son needed a bit of discipline. And he was embarrassing his dad because he wasn't disciplined. And his dad was trying his best to distract him so that he didn't do the naughty thing that he kept on wanting to do. And this this phrase passed through my mind, distraction is not discipline. I nearly turned around and said to him, sir, can, can I give you a bit of advice? I said, nah, eat your eggs, shut up, enjoy the view. I'm not knocking young people, but guys, the Bible says we must discipline our children. I earn the money. I bought the house. I bought the food. I'm paying for your, your, your education. I'm doing it all. And you tell me you've got something to say? No, you listen to me, China. In a loving way. I'm not, I'm, you, know, you know what I'm saying. But I caught, I caught my kids. And the, Ryan will know. Ryan over there. Is, I've also got a Ryan and his brother. They were messing up the bedroom. So I walked down and said, what's going on here? And the one said, no, it's him. And the other one said, no, it's him. So I gave one of them a hiding who I thought deserved the hiding. But 15 minutes later, after all the tears had stopped and all the drama had closed down, I had picked the wrong guy. So like a good father, I said, all right, bud, fair is fair. You can give me one on each cheek as well. We had a clothes brush with a handle. So he said, okay, dad, bend. I realized then when you apply the seat of the, the plank of understanding to the seat of learning, it works. Because it was flip and sore. Sook, sook, one on each. He said, How's that? I said, No, it's, I, I will never do that again. <laughs> discipline. Discipline. He must punish sin. His mercy means that he longs to forgive and pardon our sin because he loves us so much. And the tension is resolved at the cross. Justice and mercy meet. I love that. They meet the only place they could meet. And sin is both punished and pardoned. 
at the cross. Punished and pardoned at the same place at the same time. And here's the good news. Jesus takes the punishment and we get the pardon. You can say amen. Jesus takes the punishment and we get the pardon. And we go free. I mean, hallelujah. That's why we can use school halls to meet. We don't need icons around the place. and People bring in little funny religious things. That's what we have come to celebrate, folks. That's what we've come to celebrate. It says in Psalm 85, did I give you that one? No. I didn't. I'll, I'll read it. Love and faithfulness meet together. And righteousness and peace kiss each other. That's our Jesus at the cross. Righteousness and peace. <sighs> Love and faithfulness. Justice and mercy. I want you to put up for me Matthew chapter 5, please. This table helps us realign. As I was praying, I, I, I felt it's like a motor car when the wheels get out of alignment. You know, and it keeps pulling to the left. I had a, my first car, I won't tell you what it was, it was a little car. And um, one of the brake drums was leaking things, so we couldn't fix it. So we cut the pipe and shoved a bolt in there and put some stuff around it to stop the bolt shooting out. And it's daft, isn't it? But we did that. So every time you put on brakes, you had to turn right because <laughs> there was no brake on the left. We had to turn because it would grab and then it would shoot off to the... And that's what happens when you're out of alignment. When you've got a brake for something, you go the wrong way. When you wheels are out of alignment, the tires wear out quickly, you've got to work hard to keep the car on the road. This table aligns us again with a wonderful grace, a wonderful love that Jesus wants to bring. And then he says this, if you're, an offering, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled. Folks, this is not a noddy and big ear show. This, this is Jesus' life. It's costing everything. And if you're carrying stuff in your heart this morning, I want you, please, we'll give you opportunity in a minute. Just put it right. And if there are issues with people, and they're here, be brave. I'll give you a testimony, personal testimony. I had um, issues, not, yeah, I'll call it issue. And, um, I thought I was I thought I was fine, and this person had um, written a letter to my late wife while she was still ill, and in my heart I felt the letter was it didn't come from her heart. It just I just didn't feel it came from her heart, and so I developed a little bit of a thing, and I kept this letter, and I thought, oh, I'm going to just give the letter back to the person. Say, look, you wrote this to her and you can have it back. <laughs> so I went to see Andrew and Liz East. And Liz is, she shoots from the hip um, and she often hits the mark. She said to me, you're being vindictive. Cut the letter up and throw it away. And at first I thought, no, 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 no. It, 
it's, I know it's not written with heart. It's just written in nice language, like the law was. But it's got no heart in it. It doesn't mean that. Cut it up and throw it away. So I went home, and I, eventually I said, Jeffrey, stop being a wally. Just cut the thing up. Listen. Cut it up. Threw it away. And it was like I got something lifted off me. And I see that person, that couple now, and the relationship's different. I had the problem. I had the problem. So if I bring something, it's not an altar, it's a table, but it carries the emblems of what Jesus did. Please put it right. It says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received, this is the Apostle Paul, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, on the night of that Passover meal, he said, I've been, I've been wanting to eat this meal with you. But he knew what lay before him. They aligned their hearts. It's time to align. We're going to partake of, I know you use crackers, but when it speaks of break the bread, it was one loaf. And this is a loaf. This body is one loaf. And he broke it. As if to say, look, this is my body. It's broken for you. So if you have, if you need to realign, please do it. Father, we acknowledge, we really do acknowledge that without you, Lord, without your Son, our Savior, without the presence, Holy Spirit, of you being in us and quickening these mortal bodies, we are a lost cause. We acknowledge, Lord, it's all you. We did nothing. All we did, Lord, was bring you our sin and you forgave us. You are amazing. You are remarkable. There's no one in all the heavens and in all the earth that can compare with you, Lord. We declare that. We declare truth. We don't make declarations of other things and decrees. You declare and decree. We declare you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are the Savior of the world. And you went to the cross and took all our sin and transgressions on yourself. And we honor you for it. If there's anything, if there's anything in your heart, just align it with God. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins.